Suicide is immoral. It seems strange to have to say that, but there seem to be a lot of people in the West these days who believe that suicide is somehow morally obligatory. According to these moral geniuses, when a man comes into your house, rapes your wife, murders some of your children, and abducts others, you have some sort of moral obligation to leave him be, so long as he hides behind his own family members. After all, you are morally superior to that man, and that's what matters. You're feeling that you are not like him. Never mind that you're not like him. You didn't invade his house or kill him or rape and murder his wife and some of his kids and kidnap others. Never mind that you're trying to stop him from doing the same thing again and trying to prevent others from following in his footsteps. If you hurt anyone he puts in harm's way while you are attempting to stop him, you are like him. Never mind that he'll repeat his actions if he's allowed to escape. Never mind he's vowed to repeat his actions until you and your family are exterminated. Never mind that kindness to the cruel is cruelty to the kind. That if you let this guy go, others will follow his example and more innocent people will die. You must ensure that he has access to electricity and water. You must protect his life in order to prevent harm to the family he uses as human shields. You must give him every advantage because he is evil. In fact, were he less evil, were he not to hide behind his own family members, for example, then you'd have free reign to kill him. But since he is evil, well, then the only thing to do is throw up your hands and walk away, incentivizing those like him to pursue his insanely evil tactics. Now, if this sounds idiotic, well, that's because it is. It's moral idiocy of the highest order. It incentivizes evil. It creates evil. It means that the most evil people will pursue the most evil tactics, all in order to prevent you from protecting yourself. And yet there are those who proclaim it from our nation's most sophisticated ivory towers. They would never live by such rules. They live in gated communities far from the consequences of their own foolishness. They never feel the consequences of the perverse morality they promote. These are the same people who promote defunding the police and open borders while living in gated communities. But of course, they aren't calling for their own suicide. They're calling for yours. You are supposed to let in millions of refugees, most of whom are likely to hate American values. You are supposed to leave them in power to pursue their next atrocities where they rule. After all, those people are members of their coalition of the supposedly decolonized dispossessed. Their evil is merely a symptom of your evil. What they believe and what they do, well, that's your fault. The only solution is for you to commit suicide. If you refuse, you're just as bad as they are. And if you don't, you're dead. Your choice or at least that's the choice they would like you to make. But there is, in fact, another choice to reject that disgusting construct wholesale, to point out that genocidal murderers do not get a free hand just because they hide behind members of their own family, to stand strong in the face of calls to honeycomb our own society with pro-genocide members or their unvetted compatriots. Yes, of course, those of moral bent ought to work to minimize civilian casualties. Yes, of course, those of moral bent ought to work to find a place for civilians to escape from the line of fire. But neither of those rules can be prioritized above the first rule of war, winning. War is ugly by nature, nearly the ugliest thing. As it turns out, there's only one thing uglier, losing to those who don't care about morality or decency at all. Those who use morality and decency against those who are actually moral and decent and who care about things like civilian casualties. Anybody who advocates for such defeat, those who encourage suicide in the face of evil, is complicit in that evil. Well, you know who does understand this? Americans. Americans by nature understand this because they understand what it's like to face down evil. We've done it before here in the United States. And what we understand is that the group that, you know, murdered 1,300 people and that has now taken 200 hostages, there are 199 families that have been notified that they have um, hostages who are members of their family who have been kidnapped in Gaza. The American people overwhelmingly across all political parties believe that Israel's military response is justified. 71% of Americans believe that it is justified. Only 8% say it is not justified. 21% say not sure. 
And that holds true across virtually every demographic. It is, it is least true among people 18 to 34 who are, of course, overwhelmingly on the left and who have some ser- have serious problems with moral relativism. 57% of those 18 to 34 in the United States believe that Israel is justified in its actions. 14% believe not at all justified. Some 29% say they are not sure. And the older you get, effectively speaking, the more people actually have some moral clarity on this particular issue. But as far as political breakdown, 69% of Democrats say that Israel's action is fully justified. 77% of Republicans say that it is fully justified. In fact, the, the group that is least likely to think that, that things are justified are independents. And even they, by a two-thirds majority, believe that it's justified. Only 10% say it's not at all justified. A lot of people are saying they're not sure because the easiest way to get off easy in any moral conversation is to pretend that you don't know the answer to the question. When everybody knows the answer to the question, which, of course, is that you have to try to minimize civilian casualties if you are Israel. You have to try to make sure that as few innocent people die as possible. And also that every ounce of blood that's being spilled in Gaza right now is not on Israel's hands. It is on Hamas's hands. Everyone understands this, except for the elite, except for the elite in our society. The elite in our society, media elite, professors on campuses, our intellectual luminaries, some of our Congress people, they refuse to understand this sort of thing. They are the advocates for cultural suicide. They are the advocates for the West to simply shoot itself in the head in order to avoid the natural consequences of ugly war. Again, remember, the entire rules of war were written in order to disincentivize the kind of activity that Hamas is currently engaging in. The entire purpose of having laws of war is to prevent Hamas from hiding behind civilians. And yet, the same people who are now claiming that Israel is violating international law by targeting Hamas are actually incentivizing Hamas to put kids in front of their guns. That's the, that's the actual effect. If you say to people that murder Jews in South Israel plus hide behind your own kids means you get off scot-free, what are you incentivizing people to do? Hide behind their kids. If anything, the world should be incentivizing the hunting down of Hamas specifically because they hide behind their own kids. Because otherwise, everyone's going to hide behind their own kids. That's how incentive structures work. In just one second, we'll get to the elite who seem completely unable. They are paralyzed by their own moral relativism. We'll get to that momentarily first. Last week, Pure Talk announced they're going to alleviate $10 million in veterans' debt by Veterans Day. And they will get there by giving a portion of every new order to this cause. Because of your support, they're already 27% to their goal with three weeks to go. Our veterans gave everything to protect the nation. Pure Talk understands the sacrifices that they have made. When you switch to Pure Talk's lightning fast 5G network, they'll donate a portion of every new order to this noble cause. You can make a real difference just by choosing superior cell phone service. Pure Talk's plans start at just 20 bucks a month, offering unlimited talk, text, more data, and a mobile hotspot. Just go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and make the switch over. What's nice is that you can also be helping veterans while you get better phone coverage. Obviously, I use Pure Talk for all of my phone calls. You should do the same. And when you do, you are helping out veterans. Let's rally together and show our unwavering support for our veterans. Visit puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Switch to Pure Talk today. It's the right move. It's the American way. Again, head on over to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Switch on over to Pure Talk today. Their plan started just 20 bucks a month, offering unlimited talk, text, more data, plus that mobile hotspot. And let me tell you, their network is great. Go check them out right now. puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Okay. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, using the internet without ExpressVPN. Well, it's like forgetting to mute yourself on a Zoom meeting and having everyone hear your side conversation with your coworker. Not that that's ever happened to me, but, you know, 
It's bad. Well, internet service providers track every single website you visit, which is also bad. They sell that information to ad companies and tech giants who then use it to target you with their ad programs. ExpressVPN reroutes your network data through a secure encrypted tunnel so your internet provider can't see or sell your online activity. It sounds complicated, but ExpressVPN is actually really easy to use. Just fire up that app, click one button. One subscription works on all your devices like phones, laptops, even routers, so everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can be protected as well. Here at Daily Wire, we're proud to have ExpressVPN as our top privacy partner because we believe everyone should be able to protect themselves from big tech's prying eyes. Protect your online privacy by visiting expressvpn.com slash Ben today. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Ben. Get an extra three months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben. That's the service I use. You should do the same. Expressvpn.com slash Ben to get an extra three months for free. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, I've been talking about my Helix Sleep mattress for years. I got to admit, last night was a very rough night. We had to take the dog to the hospital. Dog is okay, but didn't get a lot of sleep. The sleep I did get is thanks to my Helix sleep mattress made just for me. If you haven't already checked out the Helix Elite Collection, you need to. Helix harnesses years of mattress expertise to offer a truly elevated sleep experience. The Helix Elite Collection includes six different mattress models, each tailored for specific sleep positions and firmness preferences. If you're nervous about buying a mattress online, you don't have to be. Helix has a sleep quiz that matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress, because why would you buy a mattress made for somebody else? I took that Helix quiz. I was matched with a firm but breathable mattress. I love it. My wife loves it. We're big Helix fans here at the Shapiro house. Plus, Helix has a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but I'm not sure that has ever happened. Helix is now offering 25% off all mattress orders plus two free pillows for my listeners. Head on over to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Use code HELIXPARTNER25. It's their best offer yet. It's not going to last long. That's helixsleep.com slash Ben. Use code HELIXPARTNER25. With Helix, better sleep starts right now. Okay, so as I say, our moral exemplars, our moral elite, they're completely disconnected from the American people and from reality. And they break down into basically two categories. One are the stupid, and two are the, are the cynical pro-Hamas. And they're not the same category. I'm not going to suggest, for example, that Pete Davidson on SNL is pro-Hamas. He's not. He's just a typical Hollywood idiot. Right? He's somebody who has reverted to all situations are the same. All morality is the same. I can't take sides here. I can't, I can't. Now, let, let's be real about this. Everyone should be mourning right now. Civilians murdered in Israel for the crime of being Jews. And members of the civilian population in Gaza who are murdered by Hamas. Okay, it is a Hamas murder. When you hide a child in front of your guns while you shoot at other people and the child dies in the crossfire, that is your problem. When I say your problem, I mean your moral problem. It's everybody's problem, but it's your fault. Okay, but the, the goal among our elite Again, for, for those who are who consider themselves morally sophisticated, what's amazing is how unable they are to make actual moral distinctions, like basic moral distinctions between the murdered and the people who are attempting to defend themselves. Well, that's what you got on SNL. And you saw so many, so many people in the in the Twitterverse, the moral relativists immediately. Oh, isn't this so nice? Isn't this so nice? Because everyone is. OK, well, let's be real about this. Your moral apathy and that's what it amounts to. Sympathy that is equally distributed between Hamas and Israel amounts to a moral apathy that is effective for Hamas. What Hamas would like is for you to be morally apathetic about the situation and for you to for you to basically throw up your hands and say, too complicated, don't know. Okay, this is not particularly complicated. The side that murders babies in their beds for the crime of being babies, that's the bad guys. The fact that SNL has to do this sort of Hands off it. Well, comedy will say, again, okay, if, if you're looking at these people for any sort of moral guidance, you two are a fool. Here was Pete Davidson on SNL, both sizing this thing. This week, we saw the horrible images and stories from Israel and Gaza. 
And I know what you're thinking, who better to comment on it than Pete Davidson? <laughs> well, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, I am a good person to talk about it because when I was seven years old, uh, my dad was killed in a terrorist attack. So I know something about what that's like. Um, I saw so many terrible pictures this week of children suffering, uh, Israeli children and Palestinian children. When Pete Davidson's statement on this thing is basically suffering is bad. Yeah, we were, we are in agreement. We are in agreement. But suffering is bad is not a moral message. And unfortunately, that is the side that's taken up by so many of our moral sophisticates. We're seeing that from, again, Pete Davidson isn't, isn't a bad person for saying what he is saying. I'm not suggesting he is pro Hamas or anything for saying what he's saying. He isn't. What I'm saying is that when the, the focus of what obviously is a moral conflict becomes not the actual moral conflict between one side that is evil and one side that wishes to preserve its own citizenry. And it instead becomes all suffering is, is from the same source. And thus, if we could just make the suffering stop tomorrow by snapping our fingers, leaving Hamas in place to murder babies, that would be fine. Like, that's where this is going. And we can all see that it's going in that direction from our moral elites. And the New York Times is doing the same thing. The New York Times has a long editorial that really struggles to explain why Israel should basically leave Hamas in place. They have an entire article titled, Israel can defend itself and uphold its values. It's amazing how they never suggest that the Palestinians ought to uphold, you know, basic human values in this particular conflict. No, it's about, to, it's about Israel, obviously. And they admit that Israel is, is working to minimize civilian casualties. We'll get to that in a second. But instead of just recognizing the reality, instead they say, the United States has offered firm support for Israel in its hour of agony, but friendship also requires speaking hard truths. To Israel, to Israel. So the New York Times is like, we have to speak hard truths to Israel. Um, What? Israel is a country that just got hit with the worst terror attack in the West since 9-11 and proportionally something that happened much worse than 9-11. But, it, but you are now saying that America needs to pressure Israel. Why? Because in counseling restraint, the United States can point to lessons of its own recent history. I love, I love the counseling for restraint after, um, after babies are murdered and then taken and, and survivors are, are then bussed away to Gaza to be held in abject terror before they're murdered by Hamas. So that's the New York Times. Again, the moral sophisticates, the moral sophisticates who say that, you know, for your own morality, you have to basically, you have to ease off. You have to ease off, obviously. That is not moral sophistication. It's, it's moral foolishness. And then, of course, you have the most obviously stupid people like Sonny Hostin, right? So Sonny, Sonny Hostin, of course, did the Israel is doing war crimes routine, which is just pathetic. And she, she's, she's a pathetic specimen uh, of, of immorality on, on virtually every scale. Here she is. But I do think that what we need to remember is that there is an international human rights body of law. And when you look at that law, part of it is retaliation against innocent civilians collectively <coughs> is also terror and is also a war crime. And again, those are not my words. Those are the words of the law. And the president of the European Commission, those Ursula the the von der Leyen, said just last year when we were all talking about Ukraine, she said Russia's attacks against civilian infrastructure, especially electricity, are war crimes. Cutting off men, women, children of water, electricity, and heating with winter coming, these are acts of pure terror, and we have to call it as such. And so what I'm saying is, but, yes, I think those that are around the, uh, the other wow. Arab countries, Israel actually bombed the only exit out of Palestine to Egypt. That is not true. Israel did not bomb the Rafah crossing. Egypt has closed the Rafah crossing. But Sunny Hostin is an idiot, so she's immediately sh shifting into Israel is the real problem in the region mode. 
And again, I'm going to, I don't know which category to put Sonny Hostin in, but the attempt to draw moral parity between the people who kill children and the people who are attempting to avoid killing children, but cannot avoid killing children if the bad guys are hiding behind children, that that's absurd. I mean, Sonny Hostin, I'm going to put her in the idiot category mainly because she also says things like Hamas is just like the Proud Boys, which, listen, I'm not a fan of the Proud Boys, but I noticed that the Proud Boys are not going around slaughtering babies in their cribs. I noticed that, but Sonny Hostin is up. Again, the, the, the fact that, that there is this class of people who are considered uh, part of the political conversation uh, is, is amazing to me, remains amazing to me. Sonny, you want to say something? No, I just, I, you know, I, I look at this from a legal perspective, and I think that we all know that Hamas has no, been designated uh, a terror organization, just like many other terror organizations have had this designation, like the Proud Boys here in the United States. Yeah, uh, amazing. Amazing. I mean, she's she's yes. The, these these political geniuses. Okay, so I'm gonna, that's that's the stupid. That's the morally idiot and the morally idiotic. And in a second, we're going to get to the morally cynical, the people who full well know the moral calculus here, but who are going to use decency and morality in order to preserve Hamas. That would involve members of the squad. We'll get to that momentarily first. As a Daily Wire listener, you're not just informed. You're obviously engaged as well. You value freedom and personal responsibility. That's just one reason you need to check out MediShare. MediShare is a community-based approach to healthcare that lines up with principles you believe in. Your values matter. And with MediShare, your healthcare dollars won't be used for medical procedures that don't line up with your beliefs. MediShare is the highest rated healthcare sharing ministry with a 30-year proven track record. It's not health insurance. It's a community of 400,000 believers committed to caring and sharing with one another. Members save up to 50% or more on their monthly healthcare costs. Member satisfaction surveys show they like MediShare much more than health insurance. Why? Well, because it works. For a limited time, Daily Wire listeners receive $150 gift card when they join MediShare. To find out more, go to MediShare.com slash Ben. That's MediShare.com slash Ben. Terms and conditions apply. Again, this is a healthcare sharing ministry. 30 years of proven track record. It's, it's a community of people who are like-minded who get together to defray healthcare costs. Go check them out right now. They're doing great work. Go to metashare.com slash Ben and Daily Wire listeners receive that $150 gift card when they join. How'd you sleep last night? Did you toss and turn? Were you too hot or too cold? If your sleep was not the best that it can be, you need to upgrade to the softest, most luxurious sheets from Bowl & Branch. Let me tell you, Bowl & Branch product, just spectacular. The sheets immediately change your sleep. They feel breathable. They get softer with every single wash. The Bowl & Branch sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on earth. They feel buttery to the touch. They're super breathable, so they're perfect for both cooler and warmer months. Their signature hem sheets were made with luxurious threads. They also fit the, the mattress perfectly. There's nothing more annoying than you go to sleep. You wake up in the middle of the night and your face is like directly on the mattress because the, the sheet slipped off the mattress. It doesn't work that way with Bowen Branch sheets. Bowen Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial, free shipping and returns on all orders. You're not going to want to return them. I'm telling you, Bowen Branch product is so good that I literally travel with it. Like when we went to Israel, I literally bought Bowen Branch blankets with me. Like their cable knit throw blanket is my absolute favorite. Sleep better at night. With Bull and Branch sheets, get 20% off your first order when you use promo code Shapiro at bullandbranch.com. That's Bull and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code Shapiro, exclusions apply. See site for details. Again, that's bullandbranch.com and use promo code Shapiro. Folks, what does everyone do when shopping online? Well, you jump to the reviews and you see what customers actually think. Well, Bull and Branch did the hard work for you. In a recent customer survey, 96% said Bull and Branch sheets get softer with every single wash. Bull and Branch sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on planet Earth. Buttery to the touch, super breathable. Bull and Branch sheets are perfect for both cooler and warmer months. Their luxurious signature hem sheets were made without pesticides, formaldehyde, or other harsh chemicals. They really do get softer with every single wash. Best of all, Bull and Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial, 
with free shipping, returns on all orders. You're not going to want to return them. We love our Bowling Branch product. In fact, when I'm on the road, I actually travel with their cable knit throw blanket. It is that good. Their product is just awesome. After a long day, nothing feels better than a restful night's sleep in the softest, most luxurious sheets. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bull and Branch. Get 15% off your very first order when you use code BEN at bullandbranch.com. That's Bull and Branch, spelled B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code BEN. Exclusions apply. See site for details, bullandbranch.com. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, we all know the first thing we do when we get home from work is change out of those work clothes and jump into loungewear. Well, luckily for me, I have Tommy John to come home to as I slip into my Tommy John loungewear set. I'm immediately enveloped in a cocoon of supreme softness and unparalleled comfort. Not only is their loungewear cozy enough to use as sleepwear, well, if I have to walk to the park with my kids, I don't look like a schlub. And guys, you might be wondering how these things can get any better. Their underwear is the best. I've been talking about this for years. If you haven't tried them, you're missing out. I took all the other underwear I had. I threw them out. I only wear Tommy John's. Tommy John's stylish and soft second skin underwear has dozens of comfort innovations, like a supportable contour pouch, a breathable light wick, moisture wicking fabric with four times the stretch of competing brands. Plus, Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee protects your most valuable assets. So what exactly are you waiting for? Try Tommy John today. You can thank me later. For silky soft comfort with sophisticated style, check out Tommy John's luxurious second skin limited edition colors right now at tommyjohn.com slash Ben. They're going fast, so hurry to tommyjohn.com slash Ben. Okay, so again, when it comes to those who are advocating for Western suicide, because the same people, by the way, who are arguing that Israel should basically go hands off with Hamas because you have to preserve your own values. These are the same people who would argue the same thing about America. I'll give them that credit. So those break down into two groups. The people who are just morally ambivalent uh, or who seek to obscure the moral calculus. And then there are people who actively side with the terrorists. And that, of course, would be people like AOC and uh, Ilhan Omar. So they spent the weekend distributing actual misinformation. Now, one of the things that's been amazing to watch on Twitter is the creation of false narrative in real time. It's been amazing to watch. I know because it's happened to me. I put out an actual picture of a burned baby from Kfar Aza, and it was immediately, by advocates for Hamas and their idiot allies, it was immediately labeled false information, and it was suggested that it was AI-generated, which it was not. And a community note was attached to that tweet, which they then promptly grabbed and then blasted around the internet to suggest that I was falsifying atrocities. Meanwhile, AOC and Ilhan Omar were actively promoting false information. So, for example... Earlier this week, AOC said the level of misinformation in all directions in this conflict is incredibly high, especially on this platform. If you see a claim, photo, or video that triggers a strong emotional reaction, take a moment to pause and check for veracity or confirmation from multiple sources. And so first of all, that, that, is, that is fine, except for the fact that um, the rest of the squad then started posting pictures of pro-Hamas propaganda. So Ilhan Omar reposted a picture from another blue-checked account. The blue checks don't mean anything anymore. And... Uh, that, that account claimed that there were 614 Palestinian children murdered by the Israeli IDF forces, and it posted pictures of dead kids. The problem is that the image was not from Gaza. The image was from 2013 of chemical weapons used in Syria. So she was blasting out false information, which, of course, she doesn't care about that, of course, of course. Meanwhile, AOC continues to blast out the idea that if Israel does not immediately give in to Hamas and simply stop all operations, then that means that Israel is to blame for all of this. She says humans can only survive without water for about three days. Gaza has run dry. The blockade on water, food, and electricity is an indiscriminate collective punishment and a crime. Okay, first of all, that is not true. 
Turning off water and electricity in military areas is normal state of events. That is how things go in a war. Hamas honeycombed itself in the civilian population, as we'll talk about in a second. They are desperately seeking to keep civilians in these areas. The reason Israel turned off the water and power is to press people down to the south. In fact, over the weekend, Israel turned on the water and the power down south in Gaza. Why would they do that? Why? The answer is they are trying to draw civilians to the areas where there is water and power by turning off the water and power where they don't want the civilians. But according to AOC, obviously, this is, quote, cruel and unjust to save millions of people in Gaza, nearly half children. It must end now. I noticed uh, that you were very quick on the trigger, AOC, about ending all of this. Uh, the minute that uh, the minute that Hamas seemed like they were in serious trouble. Meanwhile, Ilhan Omar says President Biden pressuring Israel to turn the water back on is a start. Now we need him to push for electricity and food access to be restored and join the rest of the world in calling for an end to the bombardment of Gaza. So uh, that is... Um, so there's that. Again, th that is cynical. She knows exactly what she is doing right there. And the reason to draw the moral equivalence is because you wish to protect Hamas if you are Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Omar is an actual pro-terror activist. Like there's there's no bones about it. I mean, again, going all the way back to when she was writing sympathetic letters to ISIS, to, to judges on behalf of ISIS recruits, a thing she actually did. And meanwhile, we're going to bring you the latest from on the ground. And again, for all those people who actually care about civilians, there's only one side in this conflict that cares about civilians. Only one. It is not Hamas. And by the way, it's not Ilhan Omar or anybody else who's pretending to care about civilians while propping up Hamas. We'll get to that in a second. First, let's talk about window replacement for a second. Take a break. Talk about window replacement, okay? For a lot of people, it isn't something that you want to do. It's something you have to get done. Have you put off replacing the windows in your home because it's too expensive? I have some great news. You can get a free in-home window consultation and a free quote from Renewal by Anderson. Renewal by Anderson's signature service. It's committed to giving you the best customer service experience possible, supported by the best people in the industry. Right now, Renewal by Anderson is offering a free in-home or virtual consultation on durable quality, affordable windows or patio doors for $0 down, zero payments, zero interest for one year. Text Shapiro to 200-300 for your free consultation and save $375 off every window and $750 off every door. Those savings won't last long. Be sure to check it out. Text Shapiro to 200-300. That's Shapiro to 200-300. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message data rates may apply. Reply stop to opt out. Go to windowappointmentnow.com for full offer details. Also, are you still getting your chocolates from the woke companies? Well, you should get Jeremy's chocolate instead. Like Halloween is coming up. Right now, you can save big with 25% off. Get those great deals on our famous he, him with nuts and she, her nutless. Because whether it's Halloween or not, Jeremy's Chocolate knows not everyone can be a mummy. Get yours in full size or our shareable microaggression size. Perfect for giving out to friends, family, and neighbors. Time is running out. Stock up now in time for Halloween. Go to jeremyschocolate.com today. Also, The Daily Wire, we as a company, we have a big, huge announcement, 3 p.m. Eastern. Tune in today. Live announcement. You can catch it on Daily Wire Plus or other social platforms like X, YouTube, and Facebook. You're not going to want to miss this one. Super duper important. Tune in today at 3 p.m. Eastern. Okay, meanwhile, right now, Israel is obviously preparing a ground invasion of the Gaza Strip. What they've been doing up till now is knocking down all the buildings that are on top of the tunnels. Right now, there are literally hundreds of kilometers of, of tunnels that Hamas has spent 20 years building under the ground. All the terrorists are living in ele with electricity, with water, with AC. They stole all that stuff. By the way, even the talk about the water that Israel is not providing to the Gaza Strip, we should, rec we should recognize at this point that statistically speaking, Israel was responsible until this latest war for somewhere between 6 and 10% of all the water in Gaza. The water shortages in Gaza are, so are due solely to the governing power in Gaza. Again, that would be Hamas. So Israel right now is flattening a lot of these buildings. They're telling civilians to get out. Meanwhile, Hamas is literally holding children hostage in these circumstances. So over the weekend, Hamas released a video 
This appears to have been from the day of the actual attack of them carting around Jewish babies. Okay, this is what they're doing. These are the people Israel's fighting. They don't care about civilians. In fact, they took hostages to prevent their own deaths. That's the goal. The goal is if you don't back off, we're going to kill your babies, literal babies. This is video that Hamas released. Again, most of the stuff that I'm releasing on the show, most of the images that we've been showing for the past couple of weeks, these are images that are coming from Hamas. They're not usually coming from the IDF. This is images from Hamas of them literally carrying around other people's children. And this is what they do. And their goal is to get civilians killed. They want dead civilians. It is their thing. Here is Hamas. Again, this is a video they released. This is Hamas picking up a child. They just murdered the parents. They got another child on, on their lap. They uh, just murdered the, their, the kid's parents. Again, these are all babies. It's, uh, it's terrorist daycare over here. Carrying other people's children. People are sick. Okay, but obviously, you know that. The, the, but forget about the Jewish babies who they're keeping in, in a hostage situation. They're preventing the evacuation of their own people. So here's a tape of a Gaza resident. Okay, this is a Palestinian telling an IDF officer how Hamas is literally stopping people from leaving the most militarily relevant areas. And there's a phone call between an IDF intelligence officer from Unit 504 and a Jabalia resident in northern Gaza. And I'm going to read you what they're saying. The Gazan says they are preventing people from leaving. The IDF officer says, tell me exactly where it is that they stopped you. The Gazan says, those who are here near the agency, they are taking the ID card and the car keys. You mean the movement, Hamas? He says, who's stopping you? The IDF officer says, Hamas? And the guy says, yes, yes. I mean, Hamas is literally stopping people from leaving. Not only is Hamas stopping people from leaving, there are literal aerial photos of Hamas stacking trucks on the highway out of these areas to prevent people from leaving. They, they actually actively put up a roadblock to stop this from happening. This is an aerial photo that we're showing on the show right now of Hamas putting a roadblock in place and a line of cars going back, you know, hundreds of, of meters. Of, of cars just stacked up on the highway behind that, trying the hell to get out because Israel told them to, and Hamas blocking it. Look at the look at this. They created a traffic jam. This is right on the coast of Gaza. You can actually see the Mediterranean right there. And they're, they're preventing people from get out, getting out. They're actively stopping people from leaving. In fact, it, they're not just doing that. They literally, apparently, struck a convoy of civilians, their own convoy, to attempt to stop people from leaving. According to IDF spokesperson Jonathan Conricus, this is from the Times of Israel, a strike on a convoy of Gazans fleeing to the southern part of the Strip Friday appears to have been a false flag operation carried out by Hamas. He says, when you apply logic and think who would benefit from those very horrible images of children and civilians who are evacuating south, and then they are apparently clearly dead, who stands to gain from that? Only one organization. Hamas's media office claimed cars carrying fleeing civilians were struck in three places, but they then release video and you can't see any sort of projectile that is hitting the cars. They just blow up. So Hamas apparently is now blowing up their own cars. Again, the IDF is sending out notices right now online to people telling them to get out. This is a graphic from the IDF showing them, telling them to get people out. Residents of Gaza City and northern Gaza, in the past days, we've urged you to relocate to the southern area for your safety. We want to inform you the IDF will not carry out any operations along this route from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. 
During this window, please take the opportunity to move southward from northern Gaza. Your safety and that of your families matter. Please follow our instructions and head southward. Be assured Hamas leaders have already ensured their safety and that of their families. That, of course, is absolutely true. Meanwhile, again, this is being widely reported. This is not like a, a giant mystery. Everybody knows exactly what's going on. Here is Fox News reporter Trey Yingst saying that the Palestinians are actively being prevented from leaving. Hamas, the group in control of Gaza, is preventing civilians from leaving their homes after the Israelis warned them of an impending strike. I also spoke with a civilian in Gaza City who confirmed this information. This is significant because the source indicated Hamas is threatening people and preventing them from leaving if they try to get to a safer location. Wait, Trey, then all of these Palestinian people will die. Why would that be Hamas's goal? This is, of course, a clip of the senior Hamas official Ali Baraka last week saying we love death, they love life. I mean, that's why. I mean, we all know the answer to this question. Hamas wants people to die specifically because they are preying on stupid Western belief that if civilians die, it must be the West's fault somehow. Not the people hiding behind the civilians in order to protect themselves. I mean, you can see the incentive structure here. The incentive structure here is to maximize civilian casualties. So much so that in a darkly hilarious moment in the middle of this conflict, the Hamas propaganda arm released a video of a supposed dead person and it was a doll okay this is a thing that actually happened it's not the first time this has happened there's video pretty famous video online that you can see of palestinians in past conflicts carrying around stretchers with supposed dead bodies on them and then there's an air raid siren that goes off and the dead body gets up and starts walking again of course there are tons of people who are being killed in gaza right now of course of course of course this is not to deny they're suffering or to deny that that's happening but it is also to show that it's absolutely in hamas's interest to to maximize the depiction of civilian casualties in order to gain world sympathy so they can continue to pursue their evil. It is there putting the civilians in harm's way. So this is a video. Yeah, they actually took this down because they realized too late that it was perfectly obvious that one of the figures in the video is an actual mannequin. This is one of the things that they released. See this guy running into a hospital and you can see the cameras following him. And uh, that is it all. You can see that that is not a, uh, you can see it's not, and they actually cut it and they uh, removed it later. They cut it and removed it later because uh, it was too obviously not real. So again, that's not to deny that there aren't dead kids in Gaza. There are tons of dead kids in Gaza. That is to point out that it's in the incentive structure for Hamas to maximize that, of course. And, and of course they want, they don't care how many civilians die. They've been building tunnels down there for years. In fact, here's a flashback, 2021, a, a member of Hamas, speaking to Vice and telling them, yeah, we built all these tunnels directly under the civilian infrastructure. Now, why would you do that? Because you want the civilians to die. You are hoping that the West, in its own benighted version of amorality, will not strike at you if you hide behind civilians. The fact that you're down here in tunnels that have been built under civilian areas, you're launching rockets from civilian areas as well. Doesn't that mean that you're endangering Palestinians? That you claim to be fighting for. We are sacrificing ourselves and our times and, and everything we do in order to ensure a better future for our children. But are you also not sacrificing the civilians that are directly above you? Of course, we don't want them to get killed or to get targeted. But this is the only choice we have. This is but. what we can do. And they are supporting us. You can go to the sea, you can go to the air, you can go to anywhere. So that's why we are building tunnels. This is the only mean which is possible for, for uh, Al-Qassam brigades. Okay, now, I'd like you to note his statement there. They are supporting us. They are supporting us. The civilian population is an ugly truth. 
A huge percentage of the population of Gaza supports Hamas. A huge percentage of the Palestinian population in Judea and Samaria supports Hamas. That's just a reality. I know it's ugly. And I know that we, again, we love to tell ourselves these pretty stories in the West about how whenever there is a, an evil regime anywhere on earth, it has no popular support from the population. Sometimes that's true. And a lot of the time, it really is not true. A lot of the time, there's widespread support for terrorists. I, again, that doesn't mean they deserve to die, civilians. It does mean that if you are talking about things like, should America take in refugees, uh, you might want to consider who it is that you're taking in. So again, the gap between the elites on this particular issue and the people is stunning. The vast majority of people in the West not interested in taking in vast populations that actively support Hamas or are sympathetic to Hamas or are anti-Semitic in the extreme, which by every poll, the Palestinian population, particularly in the Gaza Strip, is. Again, that doesn't mean that we should that, that the West or Israel or whomever shouldn't minimize civilian casualties. It does mean that before you decide who you want living next door to you, you might want to know who it is living next door to you. Meanwhile, you have Jamal Bowman. Again, this is what progressives do. You have Jamal Bowman, who is now suggesting that perhaps the United States should take in Gazan refugees. He said, quote, 50% of the population in Gaza are children. The international community, as well as the United States, should be prepared to welcome refugees from Palestine while being very careful to vet and not allow members of Hamas. Yeah, good luck with that. Good luck with that. Ron DeSantis was asked about this over the weekend, and, uh, and he was like, uh, no, <laughs> which is the correct answer. How can you paint with such a broad brush to say 2.3 million people are anti-Semitic? Well, first of all, uh, my position is very clear. Uh, those Gaza refugees, Palestinian Arabs, should go to Arab countries. The U.S. should not be absorbing um, any of those. I think the culture, so they elected Hamas. Let's just be clear about that. Not everyone's a member of Hamas. Most probably aren't, but they did elect Hamas. There was a lot of celebrating of those attacks um, in the Gaza Strip uh, by, by a lot of those folks who were not Hamas. But if you look at their education system, this has been an issue for a long time. They teach kids to hate Jews. The textbooks do not have Israel even on the map. Uh, they prepare very young kids uh, to commit terrorist attacks. So I think it's a toxic culture. And I think if we were to import large numbers of those to the United States, I think it would increase anti-Semitism in this country. And I think it would increase anti-Americanism yeah. in this country. By the way, that's obviously true. What, every word of what he is saying there is obviously true. In fact, I can show you exactly the educational materials that tend to be shown to Palestinian kids. This, for example, these are cartoons from Palestinian television. And... Uh, you may notice the presence of a figure who looks an awful lot like Mickey Mouse. This would be Farful Mouse, who is encouraging small Palestinian children to murder Jews. So uh, here's just some clips from Palestinian TV, again, directed at small children. So you wonder how it is that you have a bunch of very young men who are seeking to kill Jewish babies in their cribs. The answer is they're indoctrinated from the time that they are babies in this idea, because this is a Hamas is sick. The Palestinian Authority is a sick organization. Islamic Jihad is sick. Hey, here again, this is how education goes in the Palestinian areas. Hey, this is a mouse, or it's actually a giant bee, saying, Rowan, I want you to pick up a stone, and when the Jews come, to take it and throw it. Here's a cartoon of uh, a small Palestinian child shooting at the, uh, shooting at the Jews and uh, dropping Jewish stars on the... Uh, these are cartoon characters, and dropping Jewish stars on the Israeli soldiers. This is another children's cartoon. Oh, Allah, support our brothers in Gaza and destroy the Jews. These are all animated shows for obviously small kids. And there is a, a um, 
there is a devilish character holding a Jewish star. Okay, how about this one? Palestinian children playing a great game. Oh, this is this is a small child here saying, "Oh, sons of Zion, oh, the most evil of creatures, oh, barbaric ape." You can hear the voice it's like a five-year-old. Jerusalem rejects you and vomits your filth. These are a choir of small children. Oh, explosive device of glory. With her blood, she created freedom. Ask suicide bomber Fatima Al-Najjar how one should live a life of pride. These are these kids are like five, six, seven years old who are singing this. It's all on Palestinian TV. Now, have you ever seen anything like that on your TV? Like for your kids? You know, American educational TV for kids is garbage. But have you ever seen anything like that? Like murder your enemies? Murder the Jews? It ain't on Israeli TV either. This is how you also end up with, you know, video of Palestinian children playing a game they like to call Stab the Jew. This is, this is nice stuff here. See, like uh, this uh, kid who is uh, coming out of the woodwork and acting. They literally are play acting. And they have kids who are pretending to be Jewish and a kid who uh, comes along that they get themselves some yarmulkes so they can dress like that. And a kid jumps out and, uh, and shouts, stab the Jew. This is a nice Palestinian game for children. Uh, they have Palestinian terror training camps for, for, young, for young boys. Here is, uh, here is what they explain about uh, what, they, what they teach them at summer camp. We did not come here to enjoy ourselves or to play or anything like that. We came with our souls. These are small kids, like 10, 11. Martyrs and are wounded to sacrifice ourselves for Palestine and for our people. This promotional video urges students from primary school, high school, and college to participate. In the camp, target practice involves AK-47s, anti-tank weapons, and video simulations. So that in the next phase, Allah willing, these boys will be able to confront the plundering enemy and disfigure its face in the next war. Okay, here are children from the Palestinian Authority areas and Hamas areas bragging about the value of killing Jews. This kid says, yes, they teach us that the Zionists are our enemy. This is a kid at a UNRWA school, a school run by the UN. This is in East Jerusalem. And we must fight them. They teach us that Jews are terrorists. At school, they teach us about Jews. They teach us that they are bad people. They killed our young. They teach us in school that Jews are fickle, bad people. I am ready to stab a Jew and drive a car over them. I will fight. These are these kids are like seven, eight, nine years old. I will ram a car into them, the Jews. This kid's maybe 13. We have to constantly stab them. Drive over them and shoot them, the Jews. Stabbing and running over Jews brings dignity to the Palestinians. Kids maybe 12, 13. I'm going to run over them and stab them with knives. Again, this is in East Jerusalem. Okay, so um, you wonder why Ron DeSantis is saying maybe we shouldn't import lots of these refugees. Maybe it's because of that. Maybe it's because of that. And again, it, it's not as though this is unsubstantiated stuff. The, the GoPros and the phones that were on the terrorists contain footage from the last attack, they contain footage that actually exists from before the actual attack. And some of that footage has now been released. That footage includes videos of kids who are training for terror. You can see these are kids wearing Hamas operative uniforms. And you can see in the background, these are, some of these kids are what, 13, 14 years old, maybe? Wearing like full-on military gear, carrying AK-47s, getting, getting ready to murder some Jews. Right, this kid is maybe nine and he's carrying a gun and pointing it at the camera while wearing military fatigues. So when, when Ron DeSantis and the American people, and by the way, most people in the West are like, uh, no, 
we're not interested in importing a lot of these sorts of folks. That is not racist. That is, why would you want people who abjectly identify as people who hate Jews and want to kill them in your societies? By the way, I mean, there's there's video that has emerged now from, again, this is put out by Hamas, of cheering Palestinians at, at Shifa Hospital as rockets are fired on Tel Aviv. This is Shifa Hospital. Again, Hamas famously has planted its headquarters underneath Shifa Hospital so that if Israel wants to strike at it, then they'd have to blow up a hospital. This is their entire thing. They're shouting Allahu Akbar as the missiles, as the rockets fly on, fly on Jews. Uh, there's also video that has now emerged that you haven't seen yet of, from, from these attacks, the, the, the horrific terror attack of October 7th. From those terror attacks, it was not all Hamas terrorists. There were civilians because these borders are extremely close. There were civilians who were literally rushing into the wrecked and, and charnel house murder houses of these various kibbutzim and communities along the border and stealing things like looting it, like you would see in a riot in the United States, like people taking away TVs, people taking away bicycles. I mean, this video of, again, these are, these are not all Hamas terrorists. Some of these people are just like people from Gaza who are arriving to steal things from the Jews now that the Jews are dead. You can see them walking in. Not all these people are armed. A lot of these people are unarmed. They're walking in and they're seeing if they can pick themselves up some, uh, nice, some nice stuff. Obviously, deep, deep care from these civilians about uh, the Jewish civilians who are just murdered in these places. I mean, if you, listen, if you're near a Jewish village that just got completely ransacked and babies got murdered, why wouldn't you steal some, some kids' bikes? You can see them riding the kids' bikes over there. And why, why wouldn't you do that? Why not? After all, I mean, here's an opportunity to get some stuff. Sure, the kid was just murdered. It's time, let's pick up some, let's pick up some, let's loot some gear here. We need some gear. Hey, so when it comes to whether the West ought to open itself up wide to, um, to refugees from Gaza, at the very least, you have to consider maybe there might be some culture clash. There might be a little bit of culture clash. I mean, that culture clash obviously already exists in the West. The mass importation of radical Muslim populations has not been good for Europe. And again, the reason I'm showing you all this stuff is because when you have Westerners like Jamal Bowman saying things like, we should just import refugees from Gaza. We should just, why not? I mean, so again, two things can be true at once. One, try to minimize civilian casualties as best you can in the face of Hamas literally hiding behind civilians. But two, the notion that it's the West's job, that it's America's job to import Palestinian refugees, is, it's absurd. It's absurd. It's not been going well for the West. Over the weekend, there was a massive protest in London, which is now 15% Muslim. Not all those Muslims are radical, but there is a big radical Muslim population in London, without a doubt. This protest, you, you didn't see this protest against Hamas after they murdered a bunch of Jews, I noticed. You only saw this protest in favor of Hamas after Israel retaliated. There's like 50,000 people in the center of London. That is a lot of Hamas supporters in the center of London. And just in case you were wondering you know, what they think, one of the, uh, one of the calls and responses was Khaybar Khaybar al-Yahud, which for those who don't speak Arabic or know about the Quran, is a reference to the, the city of Khaybar. There was a massacre of Jews in the Quran. It's explicitly discussed, the idea that Muhammad created a treaty with the Jews, and then the Jews refused to convert, and so he murdered all of them. And so the, um, the Khaybar Khaybar al-Yahud is a, is a call for mass Jew extermination, that was some of the stuff that was being chanted at this particular protest. It is in London. These are moderates, probably. Seem like a nice bunch of people. I'm so glad that they're in London. Aren't you? I mean, I think there's probably... It's just, it's just cultural diversity, gang. It's all going amazing. 
This seems like uh, this seems like it's probably great for the West. Uh, by the way, uh, a man did show up with an Israeli flag and was promptly uh, beaten down by uh, by some of the protesters. Uh, you can see there's a person with an Israeli flag trying to escape, and um, they uh, they attack him. And uh, there are the cops actually trying to wrestle him away, presumably to protect him, but the Palestinian ralliers jumping on him, attempting to get at him to physically beat him up, because that's the way that worked. Now, again, this is not a major surprise. London has been plagued with radical Islam for a, for a long time. Mohammed Hijab is a prominent commentator over in Britain, uh, somehow sort of entered the, the mainstream to the extent that that he has conversations with mainstream people. Uh, and this is the kind of person that Mohammed Hijab, he's his major following in, in London. Here he was in 2021 screaming anti-Semitism. However, when, the, when those Zionists came in with their dogs, that was an that was a protest. He says that Zionists showed up with their dogs. And that's an act of provocation. What we're saying now, he's talking to cops. I'm making it very clear so everyone understands. If those dogs come close to us again, we will see it as an act of aggression and we will kill those dogs. We'll put them down. This is him uh, shouting along with some of his friends. We want the Zionists. This is, uh, this is some of the ralliers who are following him. This is the Nike anti-Jewish edition. This is some of the ralliers. That's not hijab. That's some of his followers. This is the difference for them is they think life begins. This is hijab. They think life begins. For us, we believe that death begins. We believe that life begins at death. We don't care about death. Okay, I mean, this is the center of London, again. And these supporters of Hamas are honeycombed all throughout Western societies because we have imported many of them into Western societies. In Canada, for example, here's one supporter over the weekend explaining Hamas is not a terror group. Now, one of the things that truly is amazing is that all of the pro-Hamas rallies that have taken place are waving Palestinian flags. This would be a very easy one. It's seriously a super easy one. So, for example, you can easily say, I believe that there ought to be a Palestinian state. And Hamas is an evil terrorist group that must be extirpated in order for a peace process to take place. That's a super easy thing to say. But nobody's saying that. Literally nobody's saying that. I've not seen one of these protesters suggesting that Hamas should give up the hostages. Have you? Where are they? Where is the mass Palestinian outcry and unrest over Hamas taking 199 hostages, including many babies? Where is it? It doesn't exist. That raises some pretty serious questions about the cause. And again, it's not hard to condemn evil. It really is not. So, for example... Horrible story over the weekend. An Illinois man, according to Reuters, was charged with hate crimes for stabbing a six-year-old Muslim boy to death and wounding his mother in an attack that targeted them for their religion and as a response to the war between Israel and Hamas, according to officials and Muslim rights activists. The boy was stabbed some 26 times, a horrifying story. The 32-year-old woman had multiple stab wounds. She's expected to survive. This happened about 40 miles southwest of Chicago. President Biden said that the the Muslims, quote, came to America seeking what we all seek, a refuge to live, learn, and pray in peace. This horrific act of act of hate has no place in America. Totally agree. Of course, everyone agrees with that. Everyone should agree with that. This person is evil. This person should be given the death penalty. You murder a child, should be given the death penalty. Now, is that hard? Doesn't seem that hard. Seems like everybody's on the same page. You murder a Palestinian for being a Palestinian, you should get a death penalty, right? This makes you evil. Also, I noticed zero Palestinian activists saying that Hamas is evil. None. Literally zero. You cannot find them. 
If they exist, they are very hard to find. They're doing an excellent job of hiding. It is not hard to condemn evil. It's very easy to condemn evil, actually. And yet people have such a tough time doing it. Here's a Canadian supporter explaining of Hamas, explaining Hamas is not a terror group. Hamas is not a terrorist group. Oh, it isn't, man. First of all, Hamas is mm. not okay. a terrorist group. Hamas is not a terrorist group. What is it, like a motorcycle a club? Or? It is a resistance that has been fuming for 75 years of colonialism, of occupation, of murder, of rape, of little children, of women. That's what they are. They are resistance. Do you think Canada is everything, a colonialist country too? Everything or? that they do is justified. Including what happened last week? Every single thing they have done is justified. Ma'am, there were children murdered. There were babies beheaded. Babies beheaded, really. Please educate yourself. Please please. check the news. Because as as a news reporter, you got to check the f***ing news. Because they said that that was fake. Okay? Multiple times. Oh, it's all fake. It's fake. That's it. These are the people that the West has decided to import. Really, really good decisions. Chris Ray, the head of the FBI yesterday, he said that Hamas-style attacks could come to the U.S. Yeah, I wonder why. From whom? Who, per se, would conduct such attacks? After all, everyone that we've imported over the past 40 years has been a peace-loving person, obviously. Clearly, we're doing an amazing job vetting our people when, like, who, why would we be worried about this? I thought everyone here loves peace. In this heightened environment, there's no question we're seeing an increase in reported threats, and we've got to be on the lookout, especially for lone actors who may take inspiration from recent events to commit violence of their own. So I'd encourage you to stay vigilant because as the first line of defense protecting our communities, you're often the first to see the signs that someone may be mobilizing to violence. Okay, well, um, why would you be worried about that? Probably you should take in, you know, a few hundred thousand, a few million of Palestinian refugees because they're because they're all probably not anti after years and years of indoctrination and in, in hating Jews and hating the West. Probably that those will be uh, great imports. By the way, this does raise a serious question. You know what I noticed? I noticed a map. Okay, the map is a map of the world. And in particular, the part of the map that I noticed is this part called the Middle East. And on that map, there's this tiny little Jewish country. It's like this tiny little country right along the coast, like half the size of New Jersey, super small. And then I noticed like a lot a lot of Muslim countries. In fact, I'm going to just read you some of the Muslim countries. There are many, many, many of them. So um, just, just a few off the top of our, our head here. Mauritania, Somalia, Afghanistan, Iran, Western Sahara, Algeria, Morocco, Maldives, Comoros, Niger, Tajikistan, Tunisia, Azerbaijan, Jordan, Senegal, Yemen, Djibouti, Libya, Mayad, Pakistan, Gambia, Saudi Arabia, Sudan, Kosovo, Iraq, Mali, Turkmenistan, Bangladesh, Egypt, Guinea, Turkey, Uzbekistan, Indonesia, Oman, Syria, Brunei, Kyrgyzstan, Cocos, Sierra Leone, Qatar, Kuwait, Bahrain, United Arab Emirates, Kazakhstan, Lebanon, Burkina Faso, Malaysia, Albania, Chad, Bosnia, Herzegovina. That is a list of countries that have over 50% Muslim population as a percentage of their total population. And you know what's one of the things that I noticed? Zero of them, zero, are talking about taking in Palestinian refugees right now. Zero. How weird, how odd, almost as though they like the Palestinian refugees being refugees as they have since the creation of the state of Israel. It is worth noting at this point that historically speaking, when Israel was created in 1947-48, when Israel declared its independence, some 700,000 Palestinian Arabs either left preemptively because there was a war zone they wanted to get out or left because they were expelled. None of them were taken in by any of the Arab states, any of them. By the way, there are a billion Muslims on planet Earth. Meanwhile, the tiny country of Israel, which again was tiny, tiny, tiny and remains tiny, tiny, tiny today. Anybody who doesn't understand the conflict really should travel over there and you should see the proximity. 
They're talking about zero space. The tiny state of Israel, the nascent state of Israel, took in seven to 800,000 Jews who left or were expelled from Muslim countries. Israel took in all of them. They've not asked for repatriation in any of the Arab countries. Their resources were, were stolen by the Muslim governments of those countries. They all were taken in by Israel. So the Arab world has a particularly ugly history of basically shuttling the Palestinians around and using them for whatever political purpose they will and then expelling them when they don't like them. As I mentioned before, in 1990 to 1992, during the Gulf War and the post-Gulf War era, Kuwait expelled some 400,000 Palestinians. No one seems to care. Meanwhile, as you recall, during the last Syrian crisis, which is ongoing, and again, very few people seem to care, Turkey took in millions of Syrian refugees, literally millions of them. Europe took in hundreds of thousands. And yet when it comes to the Palestinian population, oddly, no one wants to take them in. How strange. How strange. In fact, Egypt won't even let the Palestinian population out of Gaza. Because again, if you look at the border of the Gaza Strip, it borders Israel in the north and, and in the east. And to the south, there's a border and is with Egypt. Egypt is a Muslim country. The Sinai is largely empty. Egypt won't take them. Egypt has no interest in opening the border to Palestinian refugees because effectively the Palestinian population destabilizes whatever regime takes them in, which is why Jordan, which is 70% Palestinian, expelled 20,000 Palestinians in 1970 and killed 3,000 of them when it expelled them to Lebanon. So um, yeah, just, just going to point that out right now. And you know, when Nikki Haley says, where are the Arab countries helping their brothers, helping their compatriots? The answer is they've been used as tools by a lot of these countries. They've been used as a weapon against the state of Israel for a very, very long time. And they continue to be used as a weapon. The civilians are constantly used as a weapon there. That, that is an awful, horrible truth. And yet the expectation seems to be that the West is supposed to endanger itself rather than acknowledging reality. Here was Nikki Haley properly pointing out that the Arab world has gone completely absent on this question. You're going to hear all of those Arab countries vilify Israel for what's about to happen. You're going to hear all of them say, how dare you not do more for the Palestinian people? And you know what? We should care about the Palestinian citizens, especially the innocent ones, because they didn't ask for this. But where are the Arab countries? Where are they? Where is Qatar? Where is Lebanon? Where is Jordan? Where is Egypt? Do you know we give Egypt over a billion dollars a year? Why aren't they opening the gates? Why aren't they taking the Palestinians? You know why? Because they know they can't vet them and they don't want Hamas in their neighborhood. So why would Israel want them in their neighborhood? You know, when it comes to, you know, cultural proclivity, presumably Muslim countries like Egypt should have more cultural proclivity for Muslim citizens living in the Gaza Strip. But apparently not. Apparently, absolutely not. And meanwhile, what happens next? Well, the Biden administration is considering the possibility that Biden will actually visit Israel directly. Tony Blinken has visited Israel as well. He's already starting to put pressure on Israel because, as you would imagine, this is what they do. They keep pressuring for, quote unquote, restraint. Israel's going to do what it has to do. It has no other choice. This is an, ex- it, it, it's an existential fight for the state of Israel, so they're not going to stop because Tony Blinken says, says words about it. As far as whether this conflict expands outward, it seems very unlikely that despite all of the Iranian talk, it's going to expand outward. The reason for that is because the United States put two aircraft carriers in the Mediterranean. They've threatened, Biden did it again over the weekend, correctly, They threatened that Hezbollah should not get in. And that if Hezbollah does try to get in, there will be consequences. That's smart. If you want this conflict to maintain its isolated character, then you do need to push people off the ball. I'm seeing a lot of bizarre isolationist accounts suggesting that no war for Israel, no war against Iran for Israel. Israel's not calling for that. No one's calling for that. Who are the people who are calling for that right now? The reality is there's no taste for that in America. And Israel doesn't have the the wherewithal right now to, to take on Iran. 
or a, a three front war. And so right now, what everyone has an interest in, including in, including, by the way, many Iranian allies is in containing this thing. I'll tell you what I actually think happened here. What I actually think happened here is that Hamas was told by the Iranian government that they should do something. And that something was supposed to be a terrorist incursion across the Gaza border. And they figured that Israel's response time would be a lot faster and that Hamas would be a lot less effective. And so what they actually figured is that this terror attack would kill 50 people and kidnap five. And that Israel would then have to launch a serious assault in order to try to get back its own people. And then Saudi would pull out of the deal. That's probably what they wanted. And instead, Hamas succeeded beyond its wildest dreams. And it's now the dog that caught the car because they got they, they were so successful. that now Israel has no choice but to wipe them off the planet. And that's something that that I don't think that either Iran or other terror sponsors in the region saw coming. And so their basic choice right now is either let this thing expand outward, which puts at risk Hezbollah, its rule of Lebanon, which is an actual country. Or it puts at risk Iran itself. Or they just or Hamas gets taken off the, the board as a chess piece. In fact, there are reports out now from the Israeli government that the government of Qatar, which is which is largely Iranian aligned in many ways, that the government of Qatar is pushing Hamas to release all the hostages. And in fact, there seems to be widespread sentiment that all the hostages should be released by Hamas as an attempt to then create world pressure for Israel to stop the destruction of Hamas. Now, I don't think that's going to be successful. Israel has to extirpate Hamas because the 1300 dead Jews still exist. It's not as though they disappear, even if the hostages are unilaterally released. But right now, everybody sort of understands that no one has an interest in this thing going broader. So Iran is making noises and they're threatening because they sort of have to make noises and threaten. They've deployed weapons in Syria, presumably in order to try and push Israel from, from not going into Gaza. But I, I would be surprised. It, not saying it couldn't happen, but I'd be surprised if it would. This is the reason why U.S. intel apparently is suggesting that a massive attack by Hezbollah would be unlikely. Because if that happened, then Hezbollah would get taken off the map as well. Israel does have the capacity to take Hamas and Hezbollah off the map. And Iran doesn't want to lose all its proxies in the region. Okay, in just one second, I'm going to get to news closer to home. The Republicans continue to struggle over actually, you know, electing a Speaker of the House first. In a world filled with uncertainty, you need to be prepared for any possibility. You need My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is your trusted partner for emergency preparedness. Whether it's a natural disaster, a sudden emergency, or unforeseen circumstances, My Patriot Supply's high-quality food storage solutions ensure you and your loved ones are always well-fed no matter what comes your way. Obviously, the world's become a very risky place in the last few years. Whether you're talking about a natural disaster or, God forbid, a terror attack, you need resources in your home in case something goes bad. Right now, My Patriot Supply is offering $200 off a three-month food supply to help you stay prepared for anything. Go to preparewithben.com, grab the special price before it ends. Your three-month emergency food supply provides over 2,000 calories every day for optimal strength and energy in stressful situations. You can enjoy a wide variety of My Patriot Supply. You can even customize that supply. They offer an ultimate breakfast kit, a mega protein kit with real meat. They offer a gluten-free kit as well. Each meal is delicious, and they have a shelf life of 25 years. So you buy it, you stick it in the closet, you forget about it until you need it. Invest in your own safety and well-being by securing your food storage today. Go to preparewithben.com, get 200 bucks off your three-month emergency supply. Again, go to preparewithben.com right now. That's preparewithben.com. Well, meanwhile, the Republicans continue to struggle to elect a Speaker of the House. Again, Matt Gates launched a quixotic quest to get rid of Kevin McCarthy. No one can really explain why or what he hoped to gain by this. There was a, a back a backroom speaker's election held by the Republicans just a couple of days ago in which they were selecting between Steve Scalise, the House Majority Whip, and Jim Jordan, who's the head of the Oversight Committee. And Scalise won. Scalise won something like 113 to 99 among the Republican members of the, of the House. 
And then he couldn't put together the 217 votes to go forward and actually be elected Speaker of the House. So all of that was for naught. The, the sort of backroom gamesmanship that suggested, okay, we'll have an election back here. And then even if you lose, right, even, even if you're a person who voted for the losing candidate, you'll vote for the, for the winning candidate going forward. Nope, that didn't happen. So Scalise took his name out of contention. That has left Jim Jordan. But Jim Jordan is struggling with the exact same thing. According to the Wall Street Journal, some Republicans say strong support from grassroots conservatives will help new speaker nominee Jim Jordan win over dozens of GOP critics and take the gavel this week. But opponents are standing firm. Pressure is mounting on Republican lawmakers to resolve their internal fighting nearly two weeks after Kevin McCarthy was ousted in a historic vote. We got to get past this stage, said Representative Frank Lucas of Oklahoma. There's not enough political oxygen in this place to think about other stuff. Jordan, of course, is very conservative. A lot of moderates, not huge fans. I, I, I know Jim. I think he's great. But there are a lot of moderates in the caucus who are not huge fans and think that he's too Trumpy, for example. Jordan said, we're going to get to 217, he told reporters on Friday. But holdouts within his own party are saying he can't get there without his support. Representative Mario Diaz-Balart of Florida plans to vote against Jordan on the floor. Dan Crenshaw backs Jordan says nothing is impossible, but it's going to be really, really difficult based on what I'm hearing. So he has a lot of grassroots support, does Jim Jordan. But there are a lot of people who are in swing districts, like purple districts who are afraid that because Jim Jordan is so conservative, that he's going to blow them out, that they'll lose their House seats if Jim Jordan is the speaker, that he's going to bring up a bunch of legislation that actually damages them in their purple district. See, this is the thing about being Speaker of the House. It is not about being an inspirational leader, being Speaker of the House. Being Speaker of the House is very much about putting a favor there and getting a favor from here. It's about wheeling and dealing. It's about what kind of coalition you can put together. You're a coalition leader if you're the Speaker of the House. You're not a hard-charging Senate candidate or presidential candidate. And people who are looking to the speaker to be the latter are going to have a lot of trouble because the Republican caucus is very fractious, not just on the right. There's been a lot of focus on Matt Gates and the Freedom Caucus, but also on the left side of the party where they are thinking to themselves, okay, the only reason Republicans control the House right now is because Republicans want a bunch of upstate New York seats in not particularly conservative areas. And those seats just go away if the Republican Party makes a hard turn to its right in its leadership. So McCarthy, for his part, has thrown his support behind Jordan. He says, we can't have this Gates doctrine continue any further. He says, I think Jordan can get there. I'm one who understands how difficult it is. Democrats who now are, are trying to game this thing. They want concessions from Republicans in order to vote for a Republican candidate for the speakership. Here was Hakeem Jeffries saying, we're not going to help out the Republicans unless we get something in return. Have you identified a candidate who you could potentially get behind him? Would you allow your members to vote for a Republican speaker? We have not identified any candidate on the other side of the aisle because our focus is not on the individual. It's on the institution of Congress and the best interests of the American people, which is why what we've suggested is that we reevaluate the rules that are currently in place to facilitate bipartisan cooperation and to eliminate division. So, yeah, again, the concessions to the Democrats, I don't think any Republican wants to make those, but unless the Republicans get their heads out of their asses and at a certain point here actually pick a speaker and come together around someone, this is they're going to have to because there will have to be a speaker at some point, which is precisely the opposite of what you want. So you started with McCarthy's making too many concessions to Democrats. Then Gates and company voted entirely with Democrats, like eight Republicans voted with all the Democrats to get rid of McCarthy. And now this thing could end with somebody cutting a deal with the Democrats that gives them benefits just to get a speaker back in place. So just genius level stuff here. Genius level stuff. As I've said before, if you're going to lead a coup against the Speaker of the House, you better have some sort of plan. You better have some sort of list of concessions that you think you're going to get out of everybody. 
But so far, that list of concessions is not forthcoming. Nobody is actually, nobody is actually putting forward that list of concessions. Nobody thinks that list of concessions is going to materialize or, or be effectuated. So it's, so what exactly is the point of all this? Nobody, nobody knows at this point is the answer. Yeah, this, it's, it's amazing. As I've been saying for a while, first party to baseline competence wins. Republicans have an opening. Joe Biden is an incompetent president. He has been an incompetent president. The world is on fire nearly every place from little to big. Little fires in places across the world to big fires like the one in the Middle East or the one in Ukraine. Big economic smoke signals that are not particularly good, including the bond market. And Republicans, meanwhile, are busily kicking themselves directly in the crotch. And it's like, what are you guys doing? Just why? Why? And I understand that people are upset, but being upset is not a strategy. It's a mood. Like at a certain point, you might want to actually try to get something done. Now, on behalf of conservatism, if you actually care about that sort of thing. Alrighty, in just a second, we're going to be talking about the election in Poland, which is kind of fascinating because we were told that Poland is a right-wing dictatorship and uh, yet the right seems to have been ousted. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click the link in the description and join us. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 